Well, this is Will Houck with KNBC and the Roots, Rednecks, and Radicals, and I'm on the phone with Patterson Hood. Thrilled to get to talk to you. All right. Well, many of us will know you from your work with Drive By Truckers. However, you produced the new Jerry Joseph album called The Beautiful Madness. What drew you to want to work with Jerry on this project? <laughs> you know, I've been, a, I've been a fan of Jerry since 1994. And uh, he made a record around that time, around the time I first moved to Athens, Georgia. Uh, that actually, the, my, my dad played on. My dad's a studio musician, and he played bass on part of it. And uh, it was... Uh, it was an album. I think the album was called Love and Happiness. And it, it was some amazing songs. And, and when I listened to it, I mean, I, I, it was like one of the records I played the most that year. Hmm. And uh, every time I listened to it, I felt like the production on it was, you know, the producer is an old friend of mine who's now passed away. But I felt like uh, he's a great producer who's done some great stuff. But I felt like he didn't really get Jerry, I felt like he was just kind of doing the best he could with an artist that wasn't quite in his wheelhouse. Mm. And, uh, and, and, and I, I fell in love with the record because the songs were so good, but, but the production on it always kind of drove me crazy because I felt like it kind of worked against how it worked against the songs. And, mm. uh, and, and so kind of even as far back as that, which is years before I met Jerry, I was like, man, someday I want to produce him. I would love to produce him. I think I know, I think I know there's an album in there in this guy that I can hear in my head that I would love a chance to bring out. And, uh, you know, and then some years later I met him and we became friends. And, uh, first time the drive by truckers ever, ever came out West was opening for Jerry. The first two times we ever played in Montana or Oregon or anywhere out here was opening for Jerry hmm. in 2000 and again in 2002. And, uh, and you know, after I moved here in 2015, he, he lives in Portland. And when I moved out here, he invited me to lunch and we started having kind of these regular lunch dates pretty, pretty frequently. Whenever we, whenever both of us were in town, we would go to lunch. And, uh, and over the course of those lunch meetings, it kind of evolved into him asking me if I would produce him. And, uh, and I was kind of like, I, like, I thought you'd never ask. You know? <laughs> and I, I felt like it would be bad luck for me to ask him because if I asked him, uh, he would never, let me do it the way I wanted to do it. So I kind of held out until he, just in hopes that someday he would ask me. So I thought that was probably the only way we'd ever get to, to make the record I heard in my head. And so that's kind of what happened. And uh, 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 it was, a, it was a, a joy. And uh, we made the record in Mississippi a couple of, a uh, couple of springs ago. And um, I used uh, my band, the drive by truckers as the backing band for it. Uh, my dear friend Jason Isbell 
played on a song, which he was magnificent as always on. And uh, a viola player here in Portland named Colleen King, who also plays with Brandy Carlisle, uh, played on played on several songs, and uh, it was it was cool. Yeah. Uh, did that? Did the whole uh, band play from Drive By Truckers? Did they? Did everybody play on that? Yeah, we had we had everybody together except Cooley wasn't able to be there when we recorded it. We basically recorded it live in the studio, hmm. and uh, we had like six days to make it. And uh, you know, we were, I mean, it was all funded out of pocket. You know, by by you know, mostly by a friend of Jerry's, and uh, uh, kind of raising the money any way possible. So it was all, you know, we had to like get in there and, and kind of get it done really, you know, as fast as we could in order to get it in on budget. And, uh, but, um, Cooley wasn't able to be there in person, but he put his parts on separately. He's on a couple of songs and then the rest of the band was all live in that room. And, uh, it, it, was, it was really, it was really cool. And then Jason put his part on separately too. But, right. um, what, what song is Jason? Kind of him. Yeah, what, what song he's is Jason? He's on a song on? called Day Confederate. Oh, yeah, okay. he's on Day Confederate. He's playing the slide guitar. Gotcha. And, um, you know, and people can take note that that's like, you know, really the first recording collaboration between he and I and, you know, he with our band and stuff since, since you know, since uh, since he left the band, which was a long time ago now. Right. And, uh, you, know, we've, we've, you know, we've stayed really close friends, of course, and... Uh, uh, you know, probably closer than ever at this point. But, uh, but yeah, he, 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 like the rest of us, is a huge Jerry Joseph fan. He was in the band the second time we toured with him. He was in the Truckers by then. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and he, he's, been, he's been literally, you know, he's been quoted as calling Jerry Joseph like one of, the, one of the great triple threats of all time, which is pretty high praise, you know, because the other two that he name-dropped and that quote was uh, Richard Thompson and uh, and Saint Vincent, <laughs> and wow. you know Triple Threat being someone who plays guitar, writes, and sings on that level, you know, right. on that level of being, you know, a, a Triple Threat. <laughs> so, right. uh, so which you know Jason is will, you know, I, I would put him on any of those lists must too, you know, because mm-hmm. he's definitely embodies that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is high praise coming from him. So it, it, you were playing on the album and producing it, and um, I'm interested in what that what that looked like. Um, was most of the production done kind of before you, you went in the studio and you talked about the songs, or just uh, how, how did you guys feel out those 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 two roles? Well, he he basically went in and uh, recorded sometimes even in voice memo type style, basically about thirty songs that I had to listen to and learn and think about. And I kind of made the, the list of the actual 10 songs that were recorded for the record off of that list of 30, which, you know, was hard. That was hard as hell because, I mean, all 30 were great songs. And there were, you know, probably at least 10 more that were pretty much as good as any of the ones we recorded. It, uh, but I kind of picked 10 that kind of showed off the side of him that I was really wanting to highlight. And, uh, uh, you know, the reason for using my band on it is because I work so well with them. We, we've spent so much time working together, and I knew that there was a, 
a really brief window to get it. And, you know, our band's done records before backing up our other artists. We, uh, you know, we've made a record with Booker T. Jones right, and we right. did a record with Betty Lavette. And, uh, and so we, we really, you know, we kind of pride ourselves when we're playing with a different artist on, on, you know, on, well, we pride ourselves anyway on, we kind of, our rule in our band is that the song is king. You know, there's really no room for any ego. You know, if a guitar solo elevates the song, by all means, put it in there. But if it, it's better if it's shorter, that's better. And if it's better not being there, that's better. You know, there, we, we kind of take a very ego-free approach. And, uh, and, and I just, and I knew that we'd be able to turn it around and get what we needed in the time we needed, you know, and, uh, uh, and there was, you know, a kind of shorthand of just being able to work that way with them because I, I, I knew, I knew what to expect. I knew that Jay would come in knowing the songs, ready to play them on, you know, play piano and keyboard stuff. And, mm-hmm. and uh, Brad, our drummer, is a, you know, he's a one-take wonder, too. He, he, you know, he's super fast in the studio, super solid in the studio. And uh, so it just kind of worked out really good, you know. And, and I, I mean, for that week, I was immersed in those songs. And we, we lived, we recorded it in a small town in Mississippi. Uh, our bass player, Matt Patton, owns a studio in Water Valley, Mississippi. Huh. It's, uh, it actually used to be part of the Fat Possum thing. And so it was one of those, like their overflow studio. And Matt bought it and has been running it. And uh, huh. so we went down there where there's just, there's really nothing there. It's a very tiny town, uh, you know, a couple of restaurants and, you know, a uh, a Christian bookstore, you know, <laughs> very, very tiny place, about 25 miles south of Oxford. And so we went and, uh, and cut it there and we rented an Airbnb and all stayed together. And we'd get up every morning and go in the studio and record until we dropped and then sleep and then do it again the next day. And, uh, uh, it was, it was fun. It was really hard work, but really fun. Yeah. Well, it sounds incredible, and uh, whatever you guys were doing, it, it, it definitely worked. I wanted to talk to you about the uh, the, the flow of the album. Uh, the, the The first few tracks are are a bit on the lighter side, um, not that they're light in any way. Uh, but then when in the they're al- light for Jerry, right. <laughs> they're, they're as light as Jerry gets. <laughs> that's, that's a good way He's of saying it. He's a heavy dude. <laughs> But then it goes into um, three songs, uh, Good, Sugar Smacks, and Dead Confederate. And um, they, they, they really seem kind of uh, linked together, and it gets a lot more uh, dark and, and more heavy. Um, I was interested yeah. in the sequencing of the album and, and, and how much um, you guys talked about that before, uh, before releasing it. Well, when, I, when he first brought me those 30 songs, the one that just slayed me was Sugar Smacks. I mean, mm. and his recording of Sugar Smacks, he didn't write it down when he wrote it. He he literally wrote it on his guitar into a phone, into a voice memo, like just stream of conscious. And, and I've listened to that probably 150 times as we were, you know, during the time leading into recording that record. I just kind of got obsessed with it. I thought it was one of the most amazing songs I've ever heard in my life. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's sung, but it's almost spoken word. It's almost like a rap, except it's not rap. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's, it, it's, it's very much, 
it's very conversational, but it's also Jerry's conversation. So it's channel surfing and, you know, it's, it's changing. It, it's, it's really intense and it's kind of a, almost like a state of the world, state of the nation, state of mind kind of thing. And, uh, so to me, that was like the heart and soul was, was where to put that song in the sequence and then to build the sequencer out of that. I didn't want to, I didn't want it to be too late in the sequence, but I want, but I didn't, but also with a very aware of what would come after that. And, uh, cause after that song, there needed to be, it, there was only a few things that would work after that. And, uh, so that was kind of the trick to it, but it, it, it kind of came together really, nat- I mean, everything about the record came together really naturally. It's ironically, we were, Jerry was nervous about recording the song because he had never written down the words and he had to literally kind of transcribe them out. And, and it doesn't have any kind of a normal um, structure to it. And so he wasn't really sure how it would work as far as recording it with a band playing it live with the changes, but we got, it's one take. It's literally, I mean, the version on the record is exactly the live first take as it happened in the room. The only thing different about it than the first take was we added the banjo. Mike Cooley put a banjo part on there, which I think elevates it in its own way. And, uh, uh, so it's a, it was a crazy, it was a crazy thing. And, uh, uh, you know, it's just just one of those things, magic things that happens when you're lucky and getting to make records. Yeah, Th- that song stands out to me quite a bit as well, and it, it feels very powerful. And the video um, that that goes along with it's very powerful as well. It, it reminded me yeah. of uh, three great Alabama icons in the sense that it's more prose than poetry. You know, you mentioned it's almost rap, but it's not rapping. It's this stream of consciousness is a good that's a good term for it. Kind of very beat kind of poetry. Um, did you guys talk about that 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 song, or was it was that in your mind at all when you recorded that? I mean. I think I think it comes from a similar place in his mind to the place in my mind where I when I wrote Three Great Alabama Icons, you know, I I, I think Sugar Smacks is is a greater piece of work. But uh uh I say that as somebody that's very proud of Three Great Alabama Icons and I mean God that, that song was one of the things that kinda of changed my life. So I'm I'm not in any way selling it short when I say that. But I think I think Sugar Smacks is I rank Sugar Smacks as a, one of my very favorite moments of playing music in my life, which was, hmm. was getting to play on that song and getting to witness that performance in the studio and see it through to fruition of coming out. And, and I think that the video that, uh, uh, I think his name's Justin Benoli, that he put together for that is, is one of, is, is truly does the song justice. You know, for people who don't know Jerry, Jerry, Jerry travels all over the world. I um, mean, he's playing, he's played shows in war zones and Afghanistan and, and, uh, uh, in, in, uh, refugee camps in Iraq and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, very troubled parts of, of, of India and, 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 uh, you know, he, he, he's, he's goes all over the world, plays places that, that, that people like me would never venture into. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> and so he had all this film that 
for years kind of documenting his travels of him literally, you know, playing guitar in refugee camps, teaching refugee teenage kids in Iraq how to play guitar and stuff like that. And because uh, he has a, uh, a uh, nonprofit foundation uh, called the Nomad Foundation that, that does that, to try to give these kids that, you know, literally have very dark futures, uh, try to give them some kind of hope and light and something to hang on to, to hopefully help them through it. And uh, so, uh, so all of that kind of became part of the, kind of became part of the video for, for this song. And, you know, a lot of that figured into the writing of the song too, because he, you know, he wrote it. A lot of it was based on his travels and things he's seen firsthand. I wanted to talk a little bit about um, some of the bigger themes, the broader themes on the album. Um, you know, the, the truckers, you, you guys um, uh, write quite a bit about race and politics and economics, as does uh, Jerry. And um, it's, it's a lot of stuff that people don't like talking about very often, try and brush over. But uh, where we're at as a country, we're, we're right in the, the, the heat of it all uh, right now. Um, what do you see the role of the artist as um, when it comes to, to, to talking about these, these sorts of issues in, in the of the world today i mean i i don't know if i can speak for other artists you know because that that's that's a personal thing everybody has to do what they're you know what their conscious hopefully what their conscience tells them or or what uh you know what their belief system tells them and and you know it, it's writing about stuff like stuff like what jerry writes about and what what our band has done and with our, especially our last two albums, you know, it, it's hard, it's controversial and it's, it's taking a stand and some people aren't going to like it. You know, you, you're going to alienate some fans. You're going to permanently alienate some fans. And, uh, and you kind of got to, if you're going to go there, you kind of have to be willing to accept the consequences, you know, and, and, uh, but, but to me, you know, I'm I'm not driven by I'm obviously not driven by by money, or else I probably would have quit the business before I. I mean, hell, up, you know, we we struggled for years before we had any kind of success or made a decent living for this. You know, there were years of sleeping on floors and traveling around in vans, and and even you know, I was even homeless at one stretch, and. Uh, uh, fortunately, I didn't have to, you know, I wasn't sleeping on the streets because I have a close friend who basically let me sleep in her walk-in closet. But, uh, but I, I, you know, I, I was without a home for a while. And, you know, and we kept doing it because this is this thing we feel strongly about and what we do. And so, you know, when the things in our country kind of took some of the turns they took, or maybe they weren't turns as much as, as just us becoming more aware of some things that have been happening all along. You know, we felt compelled to speak about it because that's what we do. And that's how what, what we do with our art, you know. And that's part of what drew me to Jerry in the first place is he's always been one of those artists. And, uh, uh, you know, when American Band came out, you know, we, you know, if you looked at Facebook, you'd say, oh, you know, congratulations, guys, you just lost half of your following. But, <laughs> and, and we may have, but we also gained some too, some other, and, and uh, you know, the, it, it all worked out okay. And I'm, I'm, I'm 
thankful it did because I've got a family to support doing this. But at the same time, you know, I mean, you know, our wives were all in as far as being backing us up when we were taking the stand. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, if, you know, do what you do what you got to do. That's what's important. And uh, and so, you know, here we are. And you know, I don't know if I don't know if a song can change the world like the old cliche says. But if nothing else, it it if if nothing else, I feel like I've been heard by anyone that's bothered to listen. I've said I've I've spoken my mind. You know, when my kids look back on all this, they can say, "Hey, you know." Dad stood for something. He 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 didn't just do this, you know, for the for the easy buck or whatever. You know, I, I stood for something that he stood for something he believed in, and uh, that's that's more important to me than you know having a hit record with love songs or whatever. So, well, we uh, we appreciate it as fans. Um, we appreciate the perspective, and um, I, I know it's got to be it's got to feel risky as an artist doing that, but. Um but it's a it's it's a necessary thing for sure yeah well thank you thank you yeah and uh you know it's it's it, it, you know i i want it at the same time i want our show to be fine you know i i'll I, you know there may be some heavy stuff that gets sung about or talked about over the course of our show or on our albums but you know it's still a fun show we have a good time we have a great time on stage and we put on a, a, a i think we put on a really kick-ass show and and you know the the band has never been better than it is right now. And uh, you know I, I I look forward to a day when we can start doing it again. You know, being sidelined for essentially this whole year has been brutal and and very painful because we're you know we we put out a brand new record right before the pandemic blew up. And uh, you know we had planned on touring all year, including a European tour with Jerry opening with us backing him up hmm. and uh we've pushed that back to the this coming spring and i'm just hoping you know I mean, right now they won't even let americans in most countries because our numbers are so bad and uh right. you know and so i'm hoping that by the spring things will have gotten better enough to where we can go out and earn our living doing what we do without you know i don't ever want to feel like we're endangering our fans by you know, I don't want anyone being endangered by coming to a rock show, and uh, so uh, so it's a it's a tough it's a tough spot to be in, you know, for anyone that tries to make their living doing this crazy stuff we do. But uh, I'm I'm trying to be hopeful for a better 2021. Right. All right, man. Well, those are the main questions I had for you on in regards to the album. Did you have any uh, any closing thoughts you wanted to say about the the album or the recording of it? You know, it's out. It's uh, it's called the Beautiful Madness, Jerry Joseph. Uh, I know you can uh, order order it online. Uh, uh, and uh, I know you know it's in about another week. It's going to be available at record stores. Also, there was a uh, you know vinyl got held up a little bit by, you know, everything happening right now kind of pushed the vinyl, made it be a little bit late, but it's, it's coming out on vinyl any day now. And, uh, I, I couldn't be prouder of it, you know, and I think it's, uh, uh, Cosmos sex school is the name of the, uh, website of his record label that's putting it out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, 
So, uh, you know, look for it because it's, it's got him. It's got the truckers. It's got Jason Isbell. It's a, it's a, I think it's a magnificent record. And, uh, so, uh, you know, and hopefully we'll all see y'all out there somewhere on the road, you know, once this pandemic winds down. Right. Okay, man. Well, I appreciate you chatting with me. That was uh, a lot of great insight on the record. Well, thank you. Thanks so much. And have a, have a great day. Now they're trying to tear me down And I bet I'm a dead confederate Rebel pride, a heart of stone And I ain't worried, and I ain't sweating Wish they'd just leave me alone Leave me alone.